Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Bryce Corbett. Bryce, welcome to Saturday Squeeze. Thank you, Kate. It's great to be here. We are excited to have you, of course. <laughs> You're the creator and host of one of our other podcasts, Squeeze Kids, for those who don't know. We've known each other for quite a long time now. We reckon a decade. Yeah, at least a decade, Something I would like say. that. Yeah. So this should be a bit of fun. I'm mm. looking forward to it. Me too. We're going to chat about the Socceroos, of course. We are, as well as what's coming up this week in news. And I also have a book recommendation for Royal fans everywhere. He's a bit of a royal buff. Knows what he's <laughs> talking about. You're going to tell us a bit about what's going on over at Squeeze Kids HQ as well. But mm-hmm. for now, kicking off as always with the thing Squeezers have been engaging with across the week. Bryce, Claire and I had a long chat about Twitter and Elon Musk <laughs> in last week's Saturday Squeeze and right. the gift that keeps on giving. He most certainly is. And, you know, I'm kind of torn talking about him in the first place because I kind of feel like yeah. each time you do, you have the sinking suspicion you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. <laughs> it feels like you're being played by him. But that aside, it was impossible to get through this week without knowing what is apparently on Elon Musk's bedside table. Yep, it was the most talked about tweet of the week on his bedside table for those who missed it, was two guns, Mm. four cans of caffeine-free Diet Coke and a photo of George Washington crossing the Delaware River. Make of that what you will. The guns, we should say, were prop guns. Right. That's what he tells us, at least. The thing that struck me, Rice, was just a mess. What was the message he was trying to get across with a photograph of George Washington crossing the Delaware River next to an old musket? I don't know. Who knows? And I think that you're right. Let's leave it. (laughs) Let's not give it any more oxygen. On to the most covered story of the week now, according to Stream. They're a news intelligence platform that sweeps the news coverage, provides the data for us on what was the most covered story in the Mm -hmm. news. It was actually Morrison and that censure motion. Yeah, yeah. And look... um, I think undoubtedly it was a very big story, but the comment that struck me, I think, most was from former MP Christopher Pine, who was understandably dismissive about the entire exercise, but did actually say that he felt it was probably more of a Canberra bubble story, one of those stories that have most interest to people inside the Canberra bubble and uh, not much cut through in middle Australia. And that data comes to us on like a Thursday afternoon. This is Saturday morning now, no doubt. The World Cup has well and truly overtaken that with the Socceroos. Let's talk about that now. As I said, Bryce, the Socceroos getting through to that group of 16 match against Argentina, 6am Sunday morning, that Eastern Daylight Saving Time, Mm -hmm. is undoubtedly the biggest story of the week. Yep. Few facts, it's only the second time ever that Australia has advanced out of the pool stage. Mm -hmm. I will never forget the last time ever. Back in 2006, (laughs) I was in my last year of high school. Oh, of course you were. God love you. Well, (laughs) that's just how old I am. Like so many of us, I was so invested in the Socceroos at that time. Mm -hmm. It was such a big deal. I'll never forget that Lucas Neal penalty in the dying moments of the match against Italy that meant they beat us. It was just gutting. It was one of those really 
gutting sporting moment. Yeah, no, I, I remember it distinctly as well. I was living and working in Paris at the time. And of course, the World Cup was being held in Germany that year. And I don't think you really appreciate how enormous a sport football is in Europe until you've lived there during a World Cup. It is Absolutely next level. I remember going with friends who were visiting from Australia to the large square in front of Paris's Hotel de Ville, which is the big town hall. The place was full of French people, obviously. There were, there were lots and lots of Italians there and one little tiny pocket of Australians cheering a little self-consciously, you. but enthusiastically in the corner. With yeah, cheese and wine? Me. There was cheese, there was wine, there was <laughs> merriment. It was uh, it was, it was, was spine-tingling stuff, I remember. Being, Until the end. Until the and end. And then, of course, we all became experts as to whether it was a penalty <laughs> or not. Do. And we all knew all the rules of yeah, soccer as we immediately. That's right. yep. That era of football in Australia was called the golden generation. That's mm. how it's referred to. The current coach, Graham Arnold, this week said we could be looking at a new golden generation. Mm. He'd know what he's talking about, Bryce. I didn't realise, but he was actually the assistant coach back in 2006. Oh, really? He's been around the game for a really long time. He's yeah. been around the Socceroos for a really long time. Wow. What's also been talked about this week and what I alluded to with myself is that the players, the current crop of players, mm. were all teenagers back yeah. when we last played at this level yes. in a World Cup. They are super inspired by that, of course, yeah. Yeah. but they're not expected to be as good. They weren't expected mm. to do this well. No, absolutely. And as a comparison, Kate, I think it's worth pointing out that back in 2006, Australia's World Cup team had a heap of players who were also playing in the English Premier League, which, mm. as you know, is the strongest domestic competition in the world. So in our current lineup and for the kids who are running out tomorrow morning for us, we don't have a single player in that league. Yeah, and the question, I guess, is does it even matter? given how well we've done so far. Hopefully uh, not. Hopefully not. I was interested again in Graham Arnold's comments that he picked this World Cup team based on how mentally strong each player was as mm. the priority. He said, and this is the quote, he picked the ones who will die for the team and die for each other and work for each other. They're the ones I back and they're the ones I know that can get the job done. He copped a bit of criticism for who he did select. Right. But gee, these players have a backstory. Yeah. You've got one in particular you wanted to point oh, out. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the entire team team, I think, for reasons you've just pointed out, is the sports writer's dream. But I'm mm. absolutely obsessed with the story of Garan Kuol, the Sudanese kid who came to Australia from a refugee camp in Egypt to go on and represent Australia at the biggest sporting event in the world. Yeah. Fairy tale stuff. Squeeze kids will be all over it, I'm Squeeze sure. kids are loving that. We <laughs> love that sort of a story. And Garang is just such an awesome role model. You know, he's only 18 years of age, which makes him, of course, the youngest socceroo since Harry Kuol. And the second youngest player at this year's World Cup in Qatar. And lots of talk about the mix of the team of experience and not experience. Mm. Matt Leckie, who scored that goal yes. to get us through. what a goal. His third World Cup. So Amazing. he's really done the hard yards. Good on him. He's I'll doing it up, for the oldies. Well, I'll be up on Sunday morning along with so many others. I absolutely can't wait for it. Federation Square in Melbourne mightn't actually cope. <laughs> Looking <laughs> at the images that came out of there <laughs> this week, the meltdown it. if I we're able it. to take it to Argentina. Yeah, and I'm loving, of course, how, how both Sydney and Brisbane are both scrambling to set up live sites <laughs> so that people in those cities can come together on Sunday morning and get caught up in the drama. It's what my teenage kids would dismissively call bandwagoning. Um, I'm constantly being criticised by my children for getting on the bandwagon. I am one very happy to be criticised. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to take that criticism in this instance. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to put a dampener on it, but it's a big ask for us to beat Argentina yeah. tomorrow morning, Kate. They're after all, ranked third in the world. And amongst their ranks, they have... 
Lionel Messi. Yeah. Lionel Messi? We had a bit of a debate about how you actually Yeah, I think it depends where you're you're from. Lionel Messi, I'm going for. He's the GOAT. Everyone says he's the best player in the world. Yeah. Argentina, though, were beaten by Saudi Arabia in the pool matches. This is true. Saudi Arabia are ranked number 51 in the world. Mm -hmm. We're ranked number 38. Mm -hmm. It's possible. And see, Kate, this is why we work so well together. (laughs) Because you're glass half full and I'm a grumpy old man. I will text you on Sunday morning, especially if they win. (laughs) Now the part of Saturday Squiz, Bryce, where we get people ahead of the news by looking at what's coming up next week. Mm -hmm. No doubt, of course, if we get through, if we beat Argentina, that will be the story of next week. Oh, yeah. However... Uh, even if we don't, I think the World Cup will still dominate the news cycle, I of course. I should imagine, yes. Um, there are a couple of other things that mm-hmm. are happening yeah. uh, and it might be music to people's ears that it's the final interest rate announcement <laughs> for the year. See, this is what I mean. You Tuesday. put a silver lining on everything. Well, I mean, that's a positive thing. I think, look, there's a lot of tired people with mortgages. Uh, um, yeah. It's but been a long year, hasn't it? It's been a long year of interest rate hikes. Yeah. Um, we don't know what Philip Lowe is going to no. do on Tuesday, but of he course. certainly has had an interesting week. He's had a very interesting week. Um, you know, there was, of course, the unprecedented apology that he issued mm. to all Australians who might have a mortgage and find themselves under mortgage stress, uh, apologising for the guidance that the RBA put out successively throughout 2020 and 2021, suggesting that interest rates wouldn't rise at Mm. least as fast or or as much as they have done. And um, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens on Tuesday if if interest rates go up again. I mean, I think regardless, there'll be a lot of attention on it. So that'll certainly be something we're talking about on Tuesday and into Wednesday. Mm. The other thing, and this is an international story, is about Elizabeth Holmes Mm. and the Theranos trial and everything that's gone on um, in and around that. She was sentenced a few weeks ago to 11 years in jail. Mm -hmm. She was the founder of Theranos. The blood testing startup for people who don't know, it collapsed after its technology was found to be fraudulent, yep. basically. Sunny Balwani was her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. He was also the president and chief operating officer of Theranos. He's being sentenced next week. Yeah. And this story is just so fascinating on so many levels. Mm. And we've seen, as you said, Elizabeth Holmes going to jail for 11 years. And we're going to learn, of course, what sentence Sonny will serve for the 12 counts of fraud and conspiracy with which he's been convicted. And the whole Theranos story, of course, was exposed by Wall Street journalist John Carreyou um, and is expertly described in his excellent book, Bad Blood, which if you haven't read, Kate, or listeners out there. I haven't, I haven't read really Bad Blood, gorgeous. but I've watched a lot of the documentaries. I, there was a podcast series, I think. Yeah, I podcast to. series, multiple streaming services. And Jennifer Lawrence is apparently starring in an upcoming feature film about it as well. It's like, I mean, it's a story that just keeps layers upon layers. So that's happening next week. Yeah, yeah. Also, the actors are on. That's uh, yes, TV and films night of night here mm-hmm. in Australia. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens there. We're frocking up for that. Just to finish off, Bryce. Yeah. It's Nicki Minaj's birthday next week. Oh, okay. How old do you think she's? Nicki turning? Minaj. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna say 28. She is turning 40 next. No. Week. She's turning 40. Are you serious? <laughs> I know. Oh, I was wow. really surprised myself. That gives me hope. Yeah. Your rapping career is ahead of you. (laughs) 
Squiz recommends this week, Bryce, you've got a book for us. You've mm-hmm. just recommended one. You've got another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Palace Papers by Tina Brown. Yes, it did. It had me burning the midnight oil when I picked it up, couldn't put it down. And, um, of course, you mentioned at the top of the pod that we've known each other and worked with each other for years. We met, of course, when we were both working at the Australian Women's Weekly. Lots of royal content. There's a lot of royal content. And, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Netflix series The Crown as well. Are you a fan of the current series of The Crown? I didn't love this series as much as I've loved other ones. Yeah, I didn't get through it. I've right. watched two episodes and I'm done. Yeah, you lost interest. Yeah, I know. Which it's really disappointing, actually, because mm. I was quite looking forward to it. Mm. Not to get sidetracked too much, though, because we're not talking about The Crown. We're talking yep. about this book, The Palace Papers. Mm-hmm. The important context in recommending this book yep. is the background to the author, Tina yeah. Brown. And Tina Brown, of course, is the former editor of Vanity Fair. But more importantly, for the purposes of this book, she was the former editor of Tatler in the UK, which is that famed aristocratic chronicle. She was also married to legendary Sunday Times editor Harold Evans. So her sources in royal circles are impeccable. Yeah. Can't get much better than that. You cannot get much better than that. And so sitting and reading this book just felt like sitting down with Princess Margaret herself over a bottle of gin and mustique (laughs) and just getting the inside running on all things royal. You get everything from Prince Andrew to Meghan Markle to Camilla, Charles, Kate and Wills. I give it five stars. Yeah, there you go. That's a recommendation. Don't get it confused with the Paper Palace. Okay. The Palace Papers and the Paper Palace. Right. Two very different books. Two very different books. Okay. Yeah, the Paper Palace. I don't know the Paper Palace. Oh, it's really good. It's one of those Reese Witherspoon, New York Times bestseller Ah, fiction, a bit of a beach read, but Uh a bit better than a beach read I would say like it's sort of something a book that really sticks with you it was released earlier this year okay I didn't intend to recommend that but there you go there's another book recommendation Mm -hmm. my recommendation this week is The Swimmers on Netflix oh yeah I've heard people talking about this it's Excellent, yeah. I think. What is um, it? It's based on the true story of Yusa Mardini and her sister, Sara. Mm-hmm. They left Syria as teenagers. They left behind their mum, their dad, their sister oh. to travel to Germany with the goal of competing in swimming at the Rio Olympics. Right. She does, in fact, Yusa does compete. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's too much of a spoiler mm. because the film is actually about the journey. It's about what they went through to yeah. get to Germany and at the same time telling the story of what so many went through to try and flee Syria during that period. Really honest reflection. Really, really recommend that one on Netflix at the moment, as I might have said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I'm watching White Lotus season two, which makes me sound very shallow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's interesting talking to you about the White Lotus because you had the same experience as me, which was that I didn't enjoy season one. Yeah, I found it really hard to get into. And and everybody was raving about it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I remember watching going like, I don't know. Me too. And yet... We're watching season two. I'm watching season two. But what I'm finding is that it sits with me for a long time after. Each episode sits with me for a long time after I've watched it. And I find myself being reminded and having flashbacks and reflecting on different parts of it. It's addictive in a very, very unusual way. Yeah. Yeah. It's also beautiful to look at. I mean, this season, season two, obviously set in Sicily in Talmina, which is just a beautiful town. And yeah, so that part of it's very pleasant. Very. So I think we're recommending it. I feel like we've just gone and recommended it. I think we have. We've gone from lukewarm to white hot yep. very quickly. Can't finish Squeeze Recommends without recommending Squeeze Recommends. Let me explain that. Okay, I know that it's a bit of a mouthful. very meta. Yes. For those people who are subscribed to our newsletter, you might have noticed on Thursday our newest newsletter drop into your inbox. Surprise, surprise. It's mm-hmm. called... 
Tell with me. recommends. Oh, there you go. Inventive. It's, you know, it's a collation of a whole heap of things we've recommended across the year to Squizzes through our Squiz Today newsletter. Yep. There's gift recommendations. There's watching recommendations, reading. There's cooking ideas. I know a lot of people love the recipes that we recommend yeah. throughout the year. Yep. It's also all up on our website, of which a link is in your episode notes. And drum roll, it's going to be a once monthly newsletter now. So you'll hear us talking about Squeeze Recommends quite a bit more. Oh, that's great. The Empire Builds. The Empire Builds and couldn't be more timely with Christmas coming up. I love people recommending gifts that I can buy. Yeah, we're here to make people's lives easier. Squeeze Press this week. Bryce, thank you so much for joining us on Saturday Squeeze. You're and welcome. Two thank you. I'm giving you the floor to talk about Squeeze Kids. Very generous of you, Kate. Thank Go you on. very much. Go. Well, Squeeze Kids, in case you don't know, and I'd be terrified if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Is a free daily news podcast for kids. We've been punching out episodes every day of the school term for the past three years, if you can believe it. Mm. Um, every day I receive emails from kids and parents all over Australia and increasingly from countries around the world telling us how it's become a part of their daily ritual, which is incredibly gratifying. Romania this week. Yeah, we had an email from some people in Romania who are keen listeners of Squiz Kids, so you can imagine that's very humbling. Um, it's basically the day's news put through a kid-friendly filter. And as you would also be aware, Kate, we've just launched NewsHounds, our media literacy program for primary school kids. We've talked about NewsHounds on Saturday Squiz before briefly, I think in our first episode. Mm. The thing that happened with Squiz Kids that we didn't realise would happen, it's a startup, right? You never really know what's going to happen with stuff. You put it out in the world and you sort of see what happens. Who's listening or why they're listening? Teachers. Yeah. Teachers took it up Amazing. in a way that we couldn't have imagined. No. Um, and it's listened to a, in thousands of classrooms yep. across the country now. So, um, and I know a lot of teachers listen to this podcast and to our, read our newsletters. Yep. And I think a huge nod to them to say, we've made something for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know from having spoken with teachers and having spoken with parents and being a parent myself, we know how important it is for kids to be media literate. I mean, mm. there is more information coming at our kids today than at any other time in history history and there's never been a more important time for them to be critical consumers of media and that's what NewsHounds does. It's an eight-part podcast series. Um, It's been put together. We're very lucky to have amongst our ranks the very excellent former journalist turned primary school teacher Amanda Bauer who has just put together this amazing program which walks kids through the journey of becoming media literate in a fun board game format. And if you're a teacher out there and this has piqued your interest, it's free. It is free. So it's free to schools around the country. Absolutely Um, free. Head to squeezekids.com.au. That's the one. all up on the website. It is And like everything, as I've said throughout this podcast, everything will be in your episode notes as well. It certainly will, yeah. But we're super, super stoked to talk about NewsHounds and to have launched that this year with thanks to Google as well. Bryce, as I said, thank you for joining us. Uh, Claire's back next week or else I'd happily have you back. Oh, well, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah. I mean, I think we should should get Claire back, I reckon. We should definitely get Claire back. I'm sure she's (laughs) bursting to come. Come and do another podcast. As she sits on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's the things that foremost in her mind. (laughs) Can't wait to get back to work. We're looking forward to having you back next week, Claire. And thank you to everyone who listens to Saturday Squeers. We'll catch you then. 